Welcome back to A Fresh Story, the podcast where we have conversations about brave decisions to start over again. I'm Jenny. And I'm Olivia. And we're so glad you're here today. Hello, 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 sister. What's shaking? Not too much. I'm just reeling. I had a such a wonderful weekend. Um, friend of the podcast who's been on the podcast and friend of the Fresh Starts and friend of me and you, Jennifer um, Clark came out this weekend. I never call her Jennifer Clark. I don't Jen know why Clark. I just said Jen Clark came out this weekend. She told me she likes Jen because it's it's half of Jennifer. Because mm. she spells it with two N's, which yeah. I never thought before. Um, she came this weekend to Long Island and stayed in the new Days Inn Hotel, which is right in town, which is so great. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about this Cacio e Pepe we had mm. on Saturday night. I'm sorry, Friday night. We went to Ella's, um, which I've only been to once before. They had really lovely drinks and mocktails. And I had, I think it was like a squid ink Cacio e Pepe with... Um, an egg on top and then we also mm. got like a paparadel i can never say that word right ragu um oh, i love pasta yeah love you know pasta. the first time i had homemade pasta was actually with today's guest isn't that funny um our today's guest is emily laporto i've actually known emily for like 20 years almost uh or not 20 i guess a little oh, 20 years um 18 yeah like emily emily's ex-husband and was best friends with my an old boyfriend that i once dated and yeah. we kind of ran in the same circles for a while you'll hear it on the podcast there was some intertwined lives there but back in the day when i was dating this guy i went over to emily and her then husband's house and they had made homemade pasta and i remember i was like heavily dieting at the time i was eating no <laughs> carbs and the guy i was with was like just eat the pasta so i ate the pasta he wasn't um, the best boyfriend but no. he did like you to eat food and he did um, he was a good cook anyway so emily he was a good, wasn't, wasn't a great boyfriend but he was a good cook he was um, um, was that before or after they lived in italy this was, I think, after they lived in Italy. Yeah. Okay. So Emily and her ex-husband had lived in Italy with their daughter. Um, so Emily came on the podcast. We reconnected. As as Jenny and I always say, we collect the uh, ex-girlfriends and ex-wives of all of the people. Yes, we do. We do. And so Emily and I reconnected, and I invited her to come on the podcast because she went through a divorce. And her story about getting out of the marriage is so important to share. Yeah. Right? It was like, yeah. it, it was... Um, He's also just such a good, calm um, storyteller. Like, I just yeah. love talking to her. Yeah. And she lives about 90 seconds away from us. So we really should meet up with her for coffee because she's know. such a lovely to. person. She has some um, stuff going on, though, right now. You'll, as you'll hear on the podcast, she's a little busy. She's a little busy, yeah. So, she's um, in Disney, too, which yeah. I just am amazing. So the story that we talked about on the podcast with Emily, I think, is going to really change a lot of people's lives. It was about kind of going from figuring out the moment that your marriage needs to end to actually physically getting you and your children out of the marriage and into yeah. a safe home. And it's the physicalities of all of that that we don't talk about a lot. And Emily was incredibly honest and vulnerable, and I just appreciate that so much. So, you know, please, you know, if you know somebody that's going through this, send this podcast episode to them, because we always say here at Fresh Starts, if somebody else can live through that and and you know share their story then you're not alone in this yeah. and yeah and you, know, you never almost... know 
when you share your story, whose roadmap that's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Really so important. we just appreciate Emily so much and um, enjoy the conversation with Emily and all the lessons there that we really like. We're so uh, appreciative that she shared. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to a fresh story so that we can keep sharing fresh start stories. Originally from Louisiana, Emily has lived mainly in New York for almost 20 years. She is currently working in real estate and as a marketing director in the construction industry, where she has participated in the acquisition of over $3 billion worth of construction. Her strengths in these fields are her studies in emotional intelligence and an authentic interest in meeting and learning about new people. Emily is a mom of three with number four on the way, which is very exciting. And um, Jenny and I have this ongoing joke in our life that we collect the ex-girlfriends <laughs> and ex-wives. <laughs> so we, we so we, we always like, you know, because they're the best part of the relationship. So we yeah. take them with us on our journey as we go mm-hmm. along. So that being said, I've known Emily for almost 20 years myself because um. I dated back in my early 20s, um, her ex-husband now's best friend. (laughs) And so Emily, Emily has known me since I was before my prefrontal cortex was even formed. (laughs) uh, And I was making those decisions, dating those people. And so, um, but Emily's had a long journey and um, she was actually the first, the first woman I knew who had kids really young. Mm. She was married pretty young. So I'm excited to kind of get into it with her. So we're excited to have you here today because you've done so many amazing things in the last 20 years and I want to hear about them all. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and this is such a great way to be reunited. Yeah, I know. It's fun. It's fun. We keep joking that we're like booking time with old friends on the podcast. You just, just like... you get to trap somebody for an hour. <laughs> just like It's hard to do that, right? Like, if you invite someone to coffee, it's tougher. But if you're like, do you want to be on my podcast? You get to yeah. talk to them for an hour. It's great. Yeah. Love How it. are you doing today, Emily? I'm good. I'm good. I took a walk this morning to bring nice. my son to the bus. I really like was like, I knew I was talking to you guys today. So I wanted to get the day started right. Yeah. So allowed myself to have a little caffeine this morning <laughs> since I'm pregnant. Um, so it's good. It's a good day. Good, perfect, love it. You know, not every day can be perfect, but I do think that there is a lot that goes into having a good day by just deciding it's going to be a good day. So. Agreed. And knowing how that. to start that day off, right? Like knowing what works for you to start it off and a walk. We go on a walk almost every morning. I, well, I should say I go on a walk almost every morning. Olivia goes on a walk pretty much every morning. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's my, it's my it. spiritual moment of the day. Yeah. It's important. You're both telling me it's not that cold outside. So maybe I'll go on a walk. Later. No, Emily, Emily <laughs> lives not, you, you live not very far from where we are. We're in Huntington. So yeah, you're very yeah, close. You're yeah. It's a couple really streets beautiful. away. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's, okay. it's sunny shining. Yeah. Okay. I will do that after. (laughs) Anyway, why don't you take us back to the beginning of your fresh start story? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I've had so many fresh starts in my life, but I think the one I'll focus on today was, is sort of the end of my marriage, which I would call a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I really, very early on in my marriage, there were a lot of red flags, but I was, as you mentioned, Olivia, very young when I got married. I was 24 and I had just moved to a state 2000 miles away from home. And um, I felt very much like I made this decision and I'm going to stick it out and I'm a good Catholic girl and marriage is work. And here's just a 
the first step in, into putting in some work into this relationship. And then as time went by, it was pretty clear um, a lot of our struggles um, weren't being resolved. And it really came to a head um, when there was an indiscretion in my marriage. And um, it didn't change overnight. It was a pretty traumatic experience, but I was seven months pregnant with my son. And I felt again in the situation where um, I've been married to this person for over a decade. I'm pregnant. I have no family here. At that point, I had become so isolated. I'm very textbook codependent and um, had very few friends, like no support network other than my ex's family. And so I knew that a change had to happen, um, but I didn't really know how to do it because I had not talked to anyone about anything that was wrong in my marriage and my relationship in my life. It was a huge secret. And that secret was the worst and best thing because once I finally realized it had to not be a secret anymore, everything changed, but it took a long time. I mean, once my son was born, I lost a ton of weight. I tried to become the wife I thought I needed to be to keep my marriage together. Um, I believed if I could do everything to make him happier, I would be happy. Again, this is all codependency, yeah. right? Yeah, I <laughs> like, understand. Just read a book about it. Um, but one of the things I started doing was writing. And it was something I had done in the past. I was an old blogger user when yep. I was in Italy briefly with my husband and my first child. I blogged and it was a big part of my life and a big reason why I had community when we did move overseas. Um, but I had stopped because of kids and everything else and really, again, working so hard to keep my husband happy. Yeah. Um, so I started writing in a journal. Now I had an issue in the past with that journal being violated. So then that kind of, that happened again and the journal had to be put away. Um, but then I remembered like, I'm a smart person, I can blog. So I opened a blog. This is me sort of figuring out technology, right? I started a private blog. So it was just a blog for me to go on yeah, and yeah. use as a journal, but it was on the internet. So I knew I could keep it private and I knew it was a safe place to put my thoughts down. And I really just started writing a lot. And I mean, I ended up using Google Docs and figuring out other ways to archive my writing in a private way. I knew it was safe. Um, and then at some point, I started to build up a network of friends because my husband then started traveling a lot. Mm. And once I had friends and I, I was writing and sort of getting all of these thoughts out, I finally got to the point where I realized I could I could share some of my experiences. Yeah. And really that like cracked the can. Yeah. Um, you know, writing the stories was important because it helped me put words to it. But then once I finally voiced it, suddenly I realized how awful all of it was and how yeah. unfair it was to be forcing myself through this experience for what? For what the world might think of me, for the loss of family, for the loss of some friends that, you know, really were only friends through him. Yeah. Um, and that also was the beginning of therapy for me. I had never, we had explored therapy as a couple. Mm -hmm. And when we went to the therapist, he said, really, my ex needed to have therapy first before he and I could do couples therapy. So yeah. um, I 
assumed, okay, that meant I don't need it. <laughs> right. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. But really, I, I, and I also spent so much time trying to get him to go to therapy and yeah. trying to get him to try anything to help him with his issues that it never even occurred to me that I needed help too. So again, the writing and and talking to friends and having people react to the things that had happened really put, put it into perspective and made it so much more real. And it was like, I had, I had to go to therapy. Like there was no other way to do it. I needed, I needed help. This was too big to navigate. Even with my friends, it wouldn't have been fair to ask them, you know, it helped me through this, these really big decisions. Um, so I think sort of a, a milestone within my fresh start was I had written this poem called Patterns. And I wrote it after I was in my bedroom and he was traveling for work and the kids were all asleep. And I had just realized like, I'd never really cried. I never really like screamed. And I wrote this poem and I screamed into my pillow and I just decided, I knew like I had to, I had to leave my marriage. I I was incredibly miserable and wanted so much for myself. Um, And I, and that's when I made the choice. Um, I got angry. I mean, I think there, there was, there are all these feelings that I just never gifted myself with. Mm, Like sadness was easy, like, because you can just sit in bed and swallow the knot in your throat but like screaming into the pillow I didn't know what else to do because I couldn't scream out loud I couldn't go punch the walls my kids were in the other room but that is how I sort of expressed it in the moment and was the pivot for me um yeah yeah that was the decision um so obviously that was that's not necessarily a start, but I think it was a very long road to the moment when I finally yeah. to myself. Um, I mean, I think it is a start. I think it's a really great start. I mean, I think there's so much that you said. I have a million points to go back to. One is that it's really hard, I would think, to make particularly female friends um, when you are not living in any sort of honesty or alignment and you are trying so hard to keep your husband's secrets and your secrets of the marriage, like there's no, I remember you very vaguely from that time. Like I just kind of, I think we met you and I met maybe in passing a couple of times and there was like a focus on that person always, right? Like you were always going to be most concerned about him in any room because, so how could you reach out and like smile at another woman and be like, oh, like, let's connect. Let's have coffee. Like, let's have fun because you were so distracted. Yeah. Yeah. My life wasn't about anything else. I mean, I didn't even know how to talk about anything else because yeah. I just was so, it, it was so engrossing. Yeah. yeah. Years. Yeah. For years. Yeah. I, um, I just want to say, first of all, I'm holding you so close in my heart because your story mimics mine almost yeah. to a T with my ex-husband. And I wish I look back, I'm like, oh, I wish we'd had, had each other during these times, you know, we, yeah. but again, I want to talk about the secrets because the secrets is a big part. I was a secret keeper myself and on paper, right. You, uh, and I'm saying this like you is me included. We're a happy couple. You had healthy kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you had steady jobs. You had grandparents involved. You had uh, the whole thing, right? 
And behind the scenes, and I want to make this clear to listeners too, like we talk a lot about the burdens we carry through life, the silent secret burdens. As a wife that is totally kind of covertly getting all these things happen in behind the scenes and in the household, I was waking up every day with a stomach ache. I was dreading every moment. And I didn't, like you said, I didn't have the words to explain what was happening. Um, and that isolation is so nuanced. And I think people don't understand, right? Because you're in the community, you're you're socializing, right? You're you're a PTA mom, you're all these things, but you're also incredibly isolated. And you also were actually physically isolated, kind of, in the early start when I knew you. Your house mm-hmm. was like back yeah. in the woods. I mean, you were like really isolated. And so um, can you talk a little bit about like the burden of carrying these secrets and how that like felt like as a new mom and like just trying to hold everything together? Yeah. I mean, I think there was a lot of, a lot of it was like this feeling of shame. Um, And I think, you know, I think most of us are familiar with guilt and I'm not saying that we don't all feel a little shame too, but I think when you're keeping big secrets, there's the shame, it becomes like uh, counterproductive too, because now, okay, I am, I'm in a, in a broken marriage. And if people find out, I look like a fool for staying here. Um, everyone says how they want to be like, I mean, I had people saying, oh, I wish we could be like, I wish, yeah. you know, yeah. now I'm lying because yeah. it's not that great, but I think it is. Yeah. And if I tell the truth, then it will all be revealed. So I, it's like, you're almost stuck in it and stuck in the secret. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that has to do with, needing to this pressure to sort of appear having as a mother as a wife having everything together um looking the right way parenting the right way which just like that's like a whole nother thing right like yeah parent not parenting enough parenting too much being too liberal being too conservative right um and it it's all consuming because you pretty much end up spending all of your time keeping yeah. the secrets so that you can live up to someone's standards, right? Yeah, yeah. And and it's standards we put on each other too. I mean, mm-hmm. you're part of the narrative. Like, yeah. and by being a secret keeper, you're just fucking perpetuating it. Yeah, 100%. Um, but like you said, it's like, you don't know how to get out. I mean, like there's like, you guys were part of a community and people are looking at you. It's very hard to know how to get, get yourself out of that. And to start, I, you know, you said, I don't want to look like a fool. That was for me, like the word fool, like was when I was in my relationship, which was different, but I knew that he wasn't in love with me and I didn't want the world to know that. And I didn't want to look like a fool. I didn't want him to make me look like a fool for having waited eight years for a proposal. And was he ever going to want to have a baby with me? And I don't want to look like a fool. Like it was that word that I kept coming back to was a fool. And like, I think so much of that has to do with giving a shit about what society thinks of you, which is so hard because as women, we're taught to care. I mean, everybody's taught to care about what society thinks about you. But like, you know, like you said, you were raised good Catholic girl, like, that means something. You're supposed to care that people think you're a good Catholic girl. You're supposed to act in those ways. Right. And I think I carried 
I, I think I felt like that was my value. My yeah. value was that I was a, a good wife, a good Christian wife, that even though it was clear my husband was dealing with mental illness, I was supposed to support him and sort yeah. of be sacrifice everything mm -hmm. for his struggles. And yeah. then when the indiscretion happened, continue to sacrifice continue to like not even process the pain just continue to move on and move past it and do what I can to fix the thing that I was being blamed for yeah yeah that yep. caused the indiscretion right. so to speak. right yeah right. where did and you don't you know you don't have to answer any of our questions but where <laughs> did like your was there a deconstruction of your faith that came alongside with all of this that happened earlier on. I think that's uh, sort of a different fresh start, but I'm happy mm -hmm. to talk about it. Um, what, right around when we got married. So I had moved up to New York in 2004 and we were married that same year. And probably about a year later um, was when the Afghan war and all that mm -hmm. was going on. Mm -hmm. And um, so my ex and I met because we were both pro-life activists and mm -hmm. I'm totally comfortable talking about that because we are not anymore. And I am definitely have different views about those things. But at the time, that was how we ended up meeting each other. Um, and then when all this was going on with in government and, and with us going overseas and bombing and killing innocent people, mm -hmm. it kind of gave me a big um, hold on just a minute. This is yeah. that's feel pro-life and I don't agree with this. So that was sort of the beginning of an evolution. At this point in my life, I am definitely a pro-choice woman and I want bodily autonomy and all those mm -hmm. things for women. Um, but I think that when I started to voice my opinions about um, pro-life being about more than abortion, uh, I lost a lot of friends in the church. Yeah. Um, it also just was a beginning of me sort of questioning some of the teachings and beliefs and things. And I still am totally supportive and a fan of, of faith and organized religion. It's just not something that's a part of my life anymore. You were so young too, when that, like that all started <laughs> to happen. I mean, you were so young, like, I mean, what I met you when I was like 23, you must've been, I don't know, 26, something like that. And you are like, you were so young when you went through all of that. I had forgotten that you guys had moved to Italy too. That was like a very, I didn't know you very well, but like, it was a big thing. It was like crazy thing that this young couple did. It was such an impressive sort of wild yeah. move. Yeah, it was really exciting. You know, some of that was a sign of our instability. We moved a lot. I mean, we moved probably every year and a half to two years throughout most of our marriage. And we were married for 14 years. Wow. Um, marriage. And it was long and we moved a lot. And a lot of that was chasing something, looking mm. for something different. Yep. To yeah. Manhattan, moving back to Long Island. We right. I homeschooled my kids for a year. Then he decided that that wasn't good because it wasn't allowing us to give each other more attention, really. It was, mm. I wasn't giving him attention. So right. we right. moved to a different school district so we could be in a school district where, you know, it was like constant moving. But there were some really benefits and, and yeah. positive things and there were happy times right I mean Olivia I'm right. sure I can yeah. agree yeah yeah there are happy times you can't ignore that but unfortunately yeah. you know you have to also look at it very in a very real way and um yeah so, but yeah we, Italy was fun and exciting yeah, there's, yeah. There's, I, yeah go ahead Jenny I know I mean I think that's really true like you're constantly and I 
saw that in Olivia's marriage in a very different way. There was, he was constantly wanting to move, but um, Mm -hmm. I don't think he was actually capable of that. Um, But there was a constant, like it was a put into his creativity of like, well, if I get this show and if I get in that band and if I get this, like it was this constant need to fill a hole that he refused to admit. No, and and I think, right. And if you can't, as the wife, if you can't make this, you know, snap your fingers and make these things happen, then you're a failure, right? And it's like, then you fail across the board. I mean, I think absolutely, right? There's happy times in in these marriages, but you're walking on eggshells constantly. Yes. Because, so even the happy times, you have a stomach ache because you're like, oh, well, if this kid says this thing and then my my husband's going to, you know, respond this way and then I'm going to be in the middle of everything and I'm going to have to pick up the pieces and his mental health is going to go down the drain and I'm going to have to get him up from the couch and you know all these things so it really robs you and like I have a lot of anger and -hmm. I haven't really talked about this but I have a lot of anger about like the early times of my children's lives being robbed of of time focusing on other people right where it's like I couldn't just fully and I used to say this to Jenny how could I fully enjoy this joyful time with my my little kids you know as a young mom when I'm so focused on making sure somebody else doesn't fall apart did you feel like that a little bit as a mom absolutely I mean I think like even planning a birthday party it was like it can't be too crazy it can't be too silly because he'll say something negative and then I'll get upset and I won't be able to hide my feelings and then he'll get angry at me for having feelings and Um, and I think like, that's sort of like that secrets part too, where it's like, you're anticipating so far ahead. And to your point, you're then being robbed of like, I just want to have a great time planning my three-year-olds, you know, fairy tale birthday party and you can't do it because you're, I remember my mom remembers this too, once she was visiting and she bought peanut butter and it was like, had no sugar at it had sugar in it so then she and I said oh sorry he doesn't he won't eat that like you're we'll have to return it whatever she went back and she came back and then she brought some back and it didn't have salt in it and it was like I'm getting mad I'm I'm getting mad at my mother for buying the wrong fucking peanut butter yeah yeah but that's the nuance but that's like that's the nuance I talk about with like and I and I I am you know when you talk about emotional abuse in that way right within the home that's the nuance that people don't understand right so because if you emily said to a friend like oh my you know my mother bought the wrong peanut butter friends would be like oh who cares right but you know (laughs) that that peanut butter was gonna spiral everybody and then come back to you and bite you in the ass right so it's like those little like i always joke like like the comments like you know like oh you're eating everything now like (laughs) you know and so yeah to, a, to an outsider that, oh, okay, who cares, right? That's a question, but right. But, but if that's like the, the nuanced abuse, right? So a hundred percent and you but can't then, win. Yeah. I told you, you got win. it wrong the last time. Cause how did you not know that he doesn't like, he likes that new peanut butter now? Like that, why are you being like this? Right, exactly. Or, and then if you get upset about it, there's the gaslighting phase of it, then mm-hmm. you, yeah. you need to relax. It's just peanut butter. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but then you're exhausted by that point. And, you, and then you have to go to work and raise three kids. Right. right? And it's exhausting. And, and, and that's what kids are like. And that's the problem, right? Like Olivia and I often joke, we're like, you can't have two sons that are like 
you know, smart, high maintenance people like her sons are and a husband that's also acting like a child, right? Because that's what kids are like. Kids are, I ate this yesterday, but I don't eat this today. And now it's my favorite food again. That's not, adults are not supposed to be like that. Um, I want to go back to the finding your voice though, because I also had a similar situation. I remember, you know, what you, and I've actually never heard another woman say this in the same way that you did. And I appreciate it. I forgot what it was like to hear my own voice loudly. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in my kitchen after my divorce and just um, after the kids went to bed singing Broadway, like really loudly. And I literally remember saying, oh, people can can speak loudly. Like I had been, you know, hushing myself for so long. So I also scream into my pillow, which is a single parent trick to do. (laughs) Um, But also I love the combination between your writing and finding your community and finding the therapy and finding your voice again. So you did all of this. What was the next step after that? Um, so in therapy was when I figured out how to ask for a separation and in just okay. the fact that I'm saying ask for a separation always still kills me because it's sort yeah. of a hard thing to, it's to say we are going to get separated. Right. Um, but I couldn't do that until I had employment. I needed to, I know I could have, but I needed right. to for myself hard, yeah. have work that was fulfilling and would also support my family because I wasn't going to get any support. So I knew I had to figure it out myself. So in the meantime, you know, and I had, I'd been working 40 hours a week from home with the kids. I, I was doing two jobs That's insane. and he was yeah. traveling and I had leading up to asking for the separation. I had waved the flag and said, I need help. I can't do this. This is mm-hmm. so hard. I'm having trouble keeping up with bills. I'm having trouble with all these other, you know, household responsibilities. And his reaction was sort of like, well, I don't know what to do about it. Hire a cleaning lady. Right. Yeah. And like, okay, that's, yeah. that's great. Right. Okay. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Right. Right. And then you don't ask again. You don't ask again. Yeah. But I had been working, um, as sort of a, a, in a junior level marketing role for a construction consulting company for like six years. And I had been recruited a few times, but I had this sweet situation where I could work from home. It was bittersweet, right? Because I could do it, which meant mm-hmm. like there was no excuse. I didn't necessarily need to hire a nanny. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is unrealistic that anybody can work <laughs> any <laughs> full-time or part-time job from home. I saw a quote the other day that was like, it's not that taking care of kids is hard. It's that taking care of kids and doing any other thing is hard. It was Julianne Moore said that. And that's what it is. Yeah. The, yeah. the taking care of kids, that's fine, but you can't do anything no. else while you're doing that. No. And this idea that because we are women and we're working from home, we can also be a full-time mother at the same time is bullshit. It's complete bullshit. I mean, it's it insane. Is. Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy because we've had this gift of COVID, so to speak, yeah. where yeah. like, all parents were able to sort of experience what it's like to have children yep. around when you're trying yeah. to, and yet it has fallen on deaf ears. Yes. Yeah. And on women's shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now yeah. we get to be flexible yeah. from home. Yeah. There's right. the anyway. So um, I had been recruited a few times and really just ignored the recruiters because it was like for, for scenarios that just wouldn't work for me. And I finally got um, 
a message, someone I had had said, no, thank you. And then they showed back up and I was like, let me just, I don't know, something, I had this feeling, right? Like the universe for some reason going back. Yeah. So I went in and interviewed for the job. Um, and I really loved the company so, so much and just felt like just the this would be the perfect fit. It was an opportunity for me to lead the marketing facet of this region of the company. And my ex was not happy. He was, you know, like, what are we going to do? How are we, how are we going to take care of things? And, and I'm like, (laughs) that's we all of a sudden now. I'm I'm getting a 60% raise to go do this thing. The office is right in right above Penn station. It's so easy. Like it's like the most ideal commute in. Um, so I took it, I, I was in therapy at the time. So I was feeling super empowered and I knew that I was going to be escaping the situation. Right. Yeah. Part scary. of your plan. Yeah. And it feel kind it felt shitty and I still feel like a little guilt for it, but I'm like, no, 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 this is how I had to do it. That was the agenda. It could have yeah. been different, but it was how I had to do it because it was so fucking just toxic and dysfunctional. Yeah. So, um, a few months later, I um, asked for separation. It was pretty awful. Uh, yeah. I had, uh, he went to his his mother and told her that I was, I had to have been having an affair, told my parents the same thing. And you had a new, I'm, I'm sorry, I just want to roll back for a second. You had a child that was pretty young at that point. Yeah, he was three. He was yeah. little. Yeah. So you really didn't have time to do any of those indiscretions. <laughs> right. Where were you going? Yeah. That's, right. And three and two other kids who were in different schools because they're very right. spaced out. So like literally, like how how could I possibly? Right, you're right. Very good. You're witch. very good at time management. You're a witch. You're, you're a <laughs> witch, Emily. Yes. So um and he called my parents and told them the same thing. And of course my parents were completely shocked because again, I had never talked about it. I'd only mm. talked to a few very select friends. I talked to my therapist and I really needed for myself. And this is again, a codependence thing, right? I needed to have it all in order before pulling the trigger mm. and then I pulled the trigger. And before I could even sort of control the situation, it went all over the place. A smear mother, campaign. It was a smear campaign. Yeah. Telling him same thing, like saying, I must be having an affair and this is how it happened. You know, just projection. Over. Yeah. And then right. Projection. You know, oh yeah. Yeah. And um it, it was bad. And it's it's still not perfect. It's definitely way better now four or five years later. Yeah. Four and a half years later. Um, but it was really rough. But I had a job. I was I had the ability to go and buy a house mm, yeah. pretty quickly, which was not easy. And that sort of it was the beginning of me being interested in real estate um, mm, because beautiful. I had such a really tough but positive experience looking for and finding a home for my children. Um, my ex wouldn't leave the house and I wasn't mm-hmm. going to fight. My, my decision was I'm going to, I don't need things. I need my kids and yep. I need a home. And yeah. so take whatever you need to take to make yourself feel better about this. Yeah. And I'm going to free myself of having to like go through material things. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, we, you know, when we settled on the house, he wanted to deduct for fictitious closing costs. I took it. 
because yep. it was yeah. for me to put a down payment on. <sighs> you know, I talk about this a lot and like, you know, when, and when people get married, they don't understand there's another side to this stuff. And like, you know, I have talked to so many women, myself included, who are just, they go through this divorce process and it's like, just literally take the clothing off my back, but just give me my children and let's just start fresh, right? Let's just go and do the thing. And I remember when we were building Fresh Starts, we have these bundles of packages that people can go add to their registry. And I'm putting all these bundles together. Now I stayed in the marital residence, but I have many, many friends who did exactly what you did, took the kids and found a new place. And I, we put together a package for children's rooms and I actually got very emotional putting this, this package together, thinking of all my friends who were like, not only are you going through a fucking divorce, which I always say not to be vulgar, but it's like spreading your legs to the world, right? It's just like yeah. divorce is so invasive, yeah. but then you have to, your, your mama bear comes out and you're like, you know, how am I going to provide? And you are the most devoted mother. I mean, I've seen you mother now for 20 years, but like, how can I provide for my kids? Make sure that they're okay. Make sure that they feel at home and safe. Right. Yeah. And to then move their home while all these changes are going on. Yeah. It's like every single possible change you could, you could go through and three kids is a lot of kids. You're working full time. Yeah. So how did you take care of yourself during all of this? I, I really, because having a network was so new to me, I really leaned into that hard. I mean, I had a group of friends that all lived really, really close by mm. and were just always there to listen to me, um, messaging me, reminding me that they're there to help. I think that was a huge part of it. Um, I asked my parents for help, which I never do. Never did. And I still have a hard time doing because I have an older brother and a younger brother who take a lot, have taken a lot more work for them. And I was always, again, totally go to minute here, always like, I will not be a burden. Uh, I went yeah. to college, I left home pretty young. And, I, you know, I, that's, that's who I am. That's who I am. And mm -hmm. as a child is, is the one who's not a burden. So I asked for help, you know, I called them and I told them everything, um, told them everything. I mean, things that I've really only told a few people too, that are just too, too much to share, but, um, that my father came up and one of the things mm -hmm. my ex was adamant about was getting some floor laid in the dining room of the house that we lived in. My dad helped him put the floor down so that we could get the fuck out of there. Yeah. He helped wow. me move in. My mom went to the thrift store and found furniture and he drove his truck up when he came up. Um, the universe provides a couple of houses down from our marital home. The, the husband and wife's grandchildren were too old for the beds they had. They gave me mm. two beds. Another friend had an extra bed uh, because they were moving to Brooklyn like all this stuff just showed up and it was because I allowed myself to have a network yeah. of people and yeah. allowed myself to have friends and love and all the things I had sort of been denying myself of for so long. You know, it's so funny too, because we get a lot of people that talk to us and I'm tearing up listening to you talk because I know how hard it is and how fucking scary it is. And like, not to even mention the legal aspect of everything. You're going through custody stuff and all this stuff, right? And we get a lot of people that are like, you know, oh, divorce, it's so glamorized. And we're like, do you understand, right? Yeah. Like, do you, this is not fun, right? Like no part of this is fun. Nobody is doing this because there's any right. other better option out there. Right. Like you put, they're doing you, it because it's- You know, you put your kids on a boat in the Rocky Seas because you have to escape the land. Mm -hmm. And like, 
you know, so you, you, I'm amazed that you bought a house. I mean, you truly are like the epitome of stories we love to share because you found yourself, you found your voice, you chose yourself and you do have a happy ending, which I want to get to. Um, yeah, but but- <laughs> I, I want, I want to get back to the three months or the, the number of months between taking the job and telling him that you wanted the separation because you, what emotionally, what was that like to know that you were sort of like, Oh, slowly opening the door right and and sneaking yeah. out and then also like you must have gotten your systems really in order of like the commute and the kids and everything like that and I'm just curious about what those months were like yeah it was a uh, again the the planner and the controller in me was really came in handy because I you know had a babysitter lined up immediately my previous sitter couldn't do the hours so we got another one and um had her set up. Um, I had also, he, he does have some family that has not totally written me off. So they were there to support us too. And into that transition, it was really hard too, because I had, um, I had stopped sleeping in the same bed because we had some, there was some sexual components of the relationship and it was too hard to do it sleeping in the same bed, pretty much saying like, I don't want to have sex with you right now. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was really tricky because then I'm going to work at a new job yeah. where I'm in a much higher senior position than I was before trying to sort of prove myself, right. right. Prove yourself. Um, and I, uh, it wasn't easy, but it kind of went by pretty quickly, to be honest, because he was still traveling yeah. Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday. So okay. it was rare that really anything changed for him except for the whole bedroom situation. Um, once once I asked for the separation, it got a lot harder Yeah, because yeah. it took me four months to to find a home. And to, we had to get a separation agreement written. We couldn't divorce because he couldn't uh, really technically afford the house. So Mm. it was very complicated. There was a lot of concessions being made on my part, again, just to kind of Mm -hmm. get it done. Um, I remember, you know, being in a meeting with, there's this weekly leadership meeting I have to go to. And it's like everyone who's the head of their groups in our in the office comes together and I got a text message from him I don't even remember what it said but I just remember um getting cold and starting to shake and I stress sweat too and like mm-hmm. I'm sure it smelled mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. because it's like very yeah. I don't know yeah. if you stress sweat it is like yeah. We just were talking about that. (laughs) Yesterday, I was like, I smell, I must be stressed. That's so just talking about that. Yeah. It's a def, it's different than like, yep, regular. Yep. Yeah. Your body is like, shit is fucked up. Yeah. Telling you something's wrong. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm like, I have to go like present something. Like it's my turn. And I'm like shivering and I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, this is what happens to me now. I never. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that is, it's so, it's so triggering and like, yeah. it's so scary. And also like the, I mean, I too lived with my ex for th- almost four months before he left. And that also was a really trick. It was one of the it's worst awful. times in my life and it's scary and it's, everything is so triggering and you're trying to hold it all together and you're trying to also keep things okay for your kids. Yeah. And it's really fucking hard. And like yeah. the fact that we can survive that and that you're here today is honestly <laughs> just a testament 
sentiment to the person you Truly. are because it's I don't think people understand that you're living with an enemy and yeah. that is scary and like it's a person and the scariest part for me was it's a person that supposedly had loved you once upon a time right and then now they don't love you and not only do they not love you that but they hate you and they're also loaded with all of your vulnerabilities and your secrets. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and the ability to use your children. And your as, children, yeah. And your weapons, your kids right. were older than Olivia's were um when you were going through this. Yeah, my oldest was 12. Yeah. My middle one was then 7. Yeah. Okay. My son was 3. He was pretty yeah. little, but um so they were aware. They knew what was going on. I mean, yeah. They did. They didn't, you know, my son, not so much. He was yeah. like, no idea. He, you know, still every once in a while will ask. It would be a lot easier if you guys could just live in the same house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it would be. Yeah. <laughs> For you, yeah. <laughs> but they get it now and they're really excited that I'm yeah. doing all that. But um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to keep it yeah. all together. Yeah. And, and it's like, there's so many, like you said, we, again, we talk about this a lot of fresh starts too, of like 50% of people are divorced and yet there's no concessions being made culturally for people who go to work and are dealing with these things. I mean, I remember like dealing with custody stuff and waiting for the, my lawyer to call and I'm on client meetings and, you know, all these things. And you're like, oh my God, how I, I truly look back at myself. Like, how did I get through that? So um so you had some wild custody agreements olivia olivia had some <laughs> drafts that we that had to drafts, be like a lot of drafts <laughs> like this oh, isn't even God. legal you can't allow you can't ask yeah. people to do this so it was wild uh, so you buy the house you get settled and now what were your what you know your parents because they had heard a story from him did they did they hear the story from him and they were like mm, like did they question what was going on and did they believe you it's funny. My father immediately believed me. I think my mother just couldn't understand why someone would tell her that if it mm. wasn't something true about it. But it was also, again, because there had no context. Right. Yeah. You know, they knew he was short tempered and they knew he could be very particular and, you know, even use the word narcissistic about him. Right. But yet I, I, I helped them see things through my eyes. So they yeah. were seeing it yep. through and eyes too. Yep. And so um, I th it took her a minute. And I think it's just like part of her personality, right? She needed a little time to digest. Yeah. Um, they knew him. They knew his mother. I think immediately as, you know, we talked about it and worked through it and that I was able to share a lot more with them. I ended up flying down for a couple of days just to spend some time with them and kind of get out of the house. Um, they were immediately there but I think it was also because I'd never come to them with any problems yeah. either. so they yeah. couldn't it was just totally new ground for them yeah but I, I think in a way it was an opportunity to sort of parent again when I really didn't allow them into my life <laughs> yeah. yeah I love that. I was gonna say as a as a a another super independent second child that's like how am I supposed to help everybody else in the family I don't need any help I'm okay you don't need to look at me I do mm -hmm. think that when our parents get to come in and parent us it they it's a favor we do to them and that's how we have to see it <laughs> it's, it's so hard I think for us to be like no I need help because we're used to sort of helping everybody else but they they like that so um Emily you have opened your heart back up which is a very hard thing to do when you go through that. So I would love before we let you go to hear a little bit about kind of the next phase of your life that you're in right now. Yeah. So I am, 
I'm expecting and I'm engaged and it happened. Oh, in that I didn't order. know you were engaged. Oh, <laughs> so maybe exciting. I did know you were engaged. Yes, yeah, congratulations. Yeah, that's so yes, exciting. Yes, I did. Yes, I love that. So how did you, but that's really hard to open yourself back up to somebody. So I'm asking mostly for a friend, AKA me. Like, how do you, um, how do you let, how do you let yourself fall for somebody again after all of that? Well, I, of course, like I, I was on, uh, I was on a total dating hiatus, not even a hiatus. I'd never, I didn't start dating for a long time yeah. after. Um, and when I finally did, I have to say, I had some really good experiences with other other men, other, you know, partners that were pretty casual. Um, but it was a good, I think it was good to put myself out there because even when I would go on a date with someone who was clearly, I'm going to say the word loser, but I mean that with yeah. the most passion. Um, <laughs> It was, it was like a good perspective to have, like, Mm. I'm not broken. Like I'm everybody, everybody's got shit. Everybody's got issues and imperfections. And we're just kind of all bumping into each other. And hopefully, you know, we bump into someone and I was on apps and then off apps. And I, you know, saw someone who was a friend of a friend for a little while. Um, And it was really like putting myself in front of healthy people right? and just kind of practicing a little bit Mm. um, and not, I think once you do enough self-work and I don't believe you're ever healed, but do things that are healing and you then start dating with sort of that hat on. Yeah. It's so low stakes because you're just again, enjoying someone's company. And if I'm bored after 45 minutes, I have permission to get up and leave and say, thank you very much for your time. Mm. Um, And I I think, but, you know, I was again on and off and I took, I wasn't like constantly dating, but you know, if I met someone I connected with and when I met John, um, he is a father of three children and we had planned to hang out one evening and he called, he called me and said, I'm really sorry. My ex-wife's father is sick. I need to go help her with kids. I can't do this tonight. We'll mm, be yeah. And that was like, Ooh, like that was yeah. so <laughs> good. Yeah. yeah. He's a good yeah. dad. He's a good yeah. husband. Yeah. Like, yes. You know, yes. Major white flag for this guy, you know, yes. so we ended up rescheduling. We actually had a pretty awful first date because there was a lot of stuff politically happening and we're a little, we have a little bit of different views on things. Mm. Um, so it was a little tricky, but um, I think it was actually a good way to start because it helped us to really get to the root of our values, which really are quite aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, you know, second and a third date and dot, dot, dot. We've yeah. been together about two and a half years and are expecting a baby in June. I so love exciting. that. It's so exciting. And yeah. how do you feel like with the blending of the kids and all of that? How did that go? It's good. His children are a little older. He's a good bit yeah. older than I am. And his youngest is about the same age as my oldest. Okay. Um, and they are friends at school. They have a class together. Um, my youngest, my son is seven and his oldest is 22 or 23. Um, so there's a huge age gap, but, um, I said something about him the other day. He said, you mean my stepbrother? Uh (laughs) (laughs) We've, you know, we were very careful and very thoughtful about how we introduced each other, how we introduced ourselves to each other's children about what our expectations are of them, which is again, we're take we've, we took it very slowly. Um, you know, he, he lives with us now 
And it's gotten even better now that he lives here and his children come over for dinner. And um, again, my oldest and his youngest hang out a little bit and they have their own friend groups. So there's like no pressure mm-hmm. for them to be best friends. Right. Um, so it's been going really, really well. But I think, again, we both, I, we both were very, very thoughtful and took our time. Um, and we, and he's, as much as he's like a good old boy in a lot of ways, he's a very good communicator and, mm-hmm. um, we can pretty much talk about anything. So if I'm like, I feel like, you know, your, your relationship with Tiziano has really been slow growing. And here's what I think might help with that. If you could be home doing this, can you help him with this? He's so open to it. And I think for both of us, just caring and loving our each other's children as much as our own and wanting yeah. to yeah. make it successful for each other has been uh, like a huge, I don't know. I love that. And what a, what a white flag when someone treats their ex-wife well. Yeah. yeah. That should be everything. I mean, I think that there's a quote, the way a man treats his ex-wife, right, is the way, something like the way he treats his ex-wife is the way, I can't remember. I don't know, but I just but know that I yeah. I can't I can't get Thomas to say anything negative about his exes. And I'm like, it's great. I'm like, I right. I respect that. But it's also, do you have any gossip? You, you give know? me a little bit of Yeah, <laughs> I'm curious. Like, come on, come on. I love that. Gossip. No, we're so happy for you, Emily. So um, if somebody's going through a fresh start or if there's a, a woman, we get a, a lot of people who are listening who are considering divorce yeah. moms. What would you say to them as somebody that's now on the other side of this? I would say the, there are three things, right? One of them is obviously the mistake I made, but that's to talk, talk to anybody, talk to your friends, find a therapist. There's online therapy, very accessible these days. Mm -hmm. Um, Join a freaking chat room. I think those still exist somewhere. (laughs) Get get it out of your mouth onto Mm -hmm. paper or into, into words, because I think that's the beginning of sort of making it real and and identifying what you're actually going through. And then sort of as a, a B to that is um, consuming as much as you can. Like I read so many books, so many books. And I didn't just read them. I did audiobooks because I'm a mom and I'm working and I'm mm-hmm. doing it while I'm cleaning and I'm doing it in the car when I'm running errands. Um, but just reading, like just getting smart on not just like your feelings, but also like what could be and like what's out there and what could mm. help you just sort of think about things differently because you probably have been thinking about it in one way and getting some new perspective I think on whether that's a podcast an audiobook um following some Instagram accounts or TikTok accounts I don't do TikTok but <laughs> social media <laughs> accounts of people yeah. that you know you feel like maybe did went through a similar experience or you really feel touched by the things that they share. I think that's a really important thing. And it's a way to have community if it's really difficult to have like in-person mm-hmm. community. Yeah. Um, and I think the lastly too, is you're not crazy. Whether mm-hmm. divorce is the right answer, or if it's some other change you need in your life, you're not crazy. Like I was told that I was told I was crazy. I'm insane like this, I'm making too big of a deal out of something like, no, you're not, you're, you're allowed to feel frustrated and to feel sad and to feel angry, like let yourself feel those things. Those are important. And those those are things that are going to help guide you to whatever the solution might be. 
Yeah, I love that. It's perfect. Perfect advice. So lastly, what was the last thing you <laughs> ate and that you truly loved? Um, so I oh God, I love to eat and I love food so much. So it's really <laughs> tough to pick, but I'll your pick house was actually the first house I ever went to and had homemade pasta. Did you know that? Oh, nice. Yes. Back when my, I was, and I was like dieting heavily. And I remember the guy that I was with was like, you have to eat their pasta. And I was like, yeah, I will. And it was delicious. So Emily's also a very good cook. <laughs> um, it was something I did not make. I, I, my colleague in the city, she just got promoted and I'm her boss. And so I decided to take her to lunch. But before we went to lunch, we went to a bakery in Midtown called Tous Les Jours. It's a Japanese French bakery and they have mm. something called um, milk bread and the flavor we chose was strawberry milk bread. Mm. And mm. it's just like melts in your mouth. There's like, it's like a soft roll with like mm. creamy strawberry filling. I, I just like, <laughs> like, like I had like cornstarch because it's covered in course cornstarch like all over my <laughs> my desk and like every time someone come up you know I'd have like bread and and cream on my face but it was delicious that sounds and amazing the bakery is great it's on 32nd near Greeley Square <laughs> amazing amazing well Emily thank you for being here and sharing your story and we know that your story is going to be the roadmap for a lot of other people yeah. so you know it's hard to sometimes be vulnerable and open ourselves up to the world but but just we appreciate it because it's going to really inspire other women yeah. to look at you and say, well, she did it and I can do this too. So as always, I've always looked up to you and I don't, that will never stop because you are kicking ass and everything you're doing. And we're thrilled for all the new things coming up in your life. And we just, we're here to support you in all of that. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's story. We're always here and we're proud of you. Until next time, brave one. A Fresh Story is brought to you by Fresh Starts Registry, the first and only platform for everything you need to start again. You can read the show notes and learn more about today's episode at freshstartsregistry.com slash podcast. As always, we want to remind our listeners that while we strive to provide accurate and helpful information, we are not medical doctors or mental health professionals. We want to remind you all that the information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for professional advice. We highly recommend consulting a qualified healthcare or mental health professional for any concerns or questions you may have. Remember, we are a podcast, but we are not licensed medical professionals. Always consult with your healthcare provider for any medical decisions. And as a gentle reminder, all opinions are our guests and do not necessarily reflect our own. Mm -hmm.